Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome to Supercoach Edge, where we'll be bringing you all of the insight, analysis, and the edge for season 2021. My name's Damon, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Liam. Now, we've got a bit of an important update coming off the back of the weekend, Liam, don't we? Yeah. With the constant injuries, suspensions, and rookie carnage that 2021 has thrown at us, this could be our final show. Yeah. It's been, it's been a good run. It's been a short run. Yeah, it's been a very yeah, good exactly. one. Short and short and sweet, yeah. <laughs> Make it a good one. No, 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 just just kidding. But um, now, seriously, this has to be, I reckon, the hardest season in my fifteen plus year Supercoach career. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Oh, how about you? How'd you go on the weekend? Yeah, um, yeah. I guess I finally got back to something that resembles a relatively good score uh, this weekend. Uh, so that was that was nice to see. What about what about your actual team? My actual team. That was that was a good day. Good day. Um, it should be noted, and it's actually my voice still hasn't recovered properly. But we're actually recording a day later, uh, just because I was a bit croaky uh, yesterday, on Monday, the day after the game. Got a bit into a uh, bit into it on Anzac Day. But at least it wasn't all for nothing. Unlike me, I had yeah. a very very croaky voice um, leading into uh, into Sunday, and uh, that was all to no avail because we came away with uh, zilch yet again. Good old baggers. Tough one. Uh, they never fail to surprise me. <laughs> anyway, uh, before we get into uh, detail about how our respective teams fared, let's just tick off some housekeeping by reminding the listeners where they can find us. So you can find us on Twitter at, at supercoach underscore edge. You'll find Damon at, at DamoJ88, myself at, at L underscore Evans underscore 95. 
<laughs> Sorry. Was that was it a stumble there? It was a stumble. <laughs> Yes. You'll also find us on Facebook and Instagram on Supercoach Edge. I think I'm living in your head rent freely. Yeah, you got me there. When it comes to your handle. You really did. <laughs> I, whenever I write in the awesome room, people send in questions, I look at their handle now. And I think, oh, that's really easy to say handle. Are, are you trying to make yourself feel better? So if anyone else has a really long convoluted handle, you're like, oh, see? Yeah, see, yeah, I'm exactly. not the only one. Exactly. Relatability. Yeah. At least I didn't go like Al underscore Evans underscore nine six seven three four five seven one three. Well, then you can change your, your little profile picture on Twitter to, to an egg and you can be one of the bots. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always end with like that really long number. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. um... Moving on. So, uh, yes, of course, the loser of the week gets to kick off the next segment. So let's see who it is as we introduce the good, the bad, and the ugly. Alrighty, kicking off the good, the bad, and the ugly is, of course, no surprises given recent form. It is myself, Liam. Get your laughing out of the way now. Tough one, tough one. Uh, For those who are tuning in for the first time, uh, in this segment every week, we run through a quick recap of how both of our respective teams have performed and the players that stood out for both good and for bad reasons and um, probably more bad than good with my team. So seeing as I'm kicking it off, yes, I was again on the receiving end this week. I scored 2,185, meaning you've won the last two on the trot. I love it. Come on, more enthusiasm. Woo. <laughs> Cripps, again, let me down with a score of just 64 and likewise short. Wasn't much better with 61. Uh, Goulden looks to have hit a wall with 38. And uh, Crow's youngster, James Rowe, who I'm now dubbing from here on in the roller coaster <laughs> <laughs> Because he returned after a decent week the previous week with a dip of 27. So thanks very much, the roller coaster. I wonder how much it is to buy tickets to jump on the roller coaster. Probably more a ghost train than anything. Yeah, probably. But uh, yeah, believe it or not, I actually rose 148 spots in my overall rank to sit 18,351st. Woo! Woo! So good. Uh, in terms of trades this round, it was just the one. Uh, upgraded Campbell to Piggy Oliver. Because he, when he sweats it up, he looks like a big, fat pig pig. <laughs> did really well he scored 114 compared to Campbell of course who was the injury sub and came in uh, relatively early for the Swans and scored Mm -hmm. 35 so happy with that trade and uh, I kept the other trade up my sleeve uh, given I've been tearing into them at a rate of knots so um, yeah I mean heading into that weekend I must admit like I'm like yes got to trade up my sleeve first real upgrade and now it's just like more carnage. So it's yeah. almost like one step forward, two steps back. But we'll get into that uh, later on the show. How do you go, Liam? Yeah, as you mentioned, um, I obviously took the Choggies this week. I scored 2,253. Still not the best score, um, but I guess solid nonetheless. Um, I feel like there was eventually going to be a week where I'm not being affected by injury. Um, hopefully it's soon. And then that way I don't have to waste all my trades. Uh, obviously, with Dusty's concussion and a couple of underperforming primos, as well as another spin of uh, the old rookie roulette, um, I saw some big scores, but also some low ones. But thankfully, I've learnt my lesson and kept James Jordan on field this week. Took your advice, Damon. Fool mm, me once. About time. Yeah, exactly right. You're doing your very best impersonation of George W. Bush there. Yeah, with I really the, am, aren't I? Fool, fool me once. Shimon. Shimon. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, and so now I am ranked 14,073rd, which was a rise of 3,154, so I'm slowly rising up those ranks. Um, in terms of trades, uh, the whispers of Samberry's ankle did get the better of me pretty early on. He did obviously miss, but uh, with the potential of facing a donut in the midfield, I moved him on alongside Campbell, and I finally got my man. For weeks I've been talking about getting him McRae, and such was my craving for him. I got a bit trigger happy and decided to bring in two McRae's. <laughs> double down. Yeah, I doubled down. I thought, why not? Why not? Why not both? Yeah, put on the stores. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I did obviously break uh, my golden rule of not touching a player before they're on the bubble, uh, but he did offer up the best option for this week, the old Finlay McRae. Uh, onto, quickly onto my good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, the key differences, I guess, between our teams were obviously Walsh, he's 130, Zeritz, uh, 116, um, and obviously had a few injury-affected players such as Martin and Dunks. Obviously, Dunks scored quite well, but obviously won't take further part in the next couple of months. Uh, so moving on to the running tally, as you did mention, Damon, I got, I'm got i on two on the trot, so I have won four overall, um, and I also did get a nice win in a league head-to-head too, which was nice as well. Yeah, nice for nice for someone. Nice for yeah, one of us. it was us. lovely. It was great. It was actually a really good weekend. Yeah, yeah. Essendon win, you got a win in Supercoach, but then it was offset good. by more carnage. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that part. <laughs> yeah. uh, the carnage. And uh, let's get into that because that is uh, one of the uh, hottest topics uh, to come out of the weekend. So let's delve into the week that was. I don't care if Monday's black, Tuesday, Wednesday, hard to tell. Thursday, never looking back, it's Friday, I'm in love. Yes, the week that was and uh, not unlike... Other weeks, it was uh, headlined by, again, the injury crisis, which just keeps, you know, unfolding week after week. And uh, I reckon this season could be the basis for the new season of Australian Survivor, given we're losing so many on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, everyone's just getting their uh, their torches snuffed, <laughs> and they're out for multiple, multiple weeks, if not the season. Uh, adding to the long list of outs in previous rounds, we can now add Lockie Neal, who did his ankle on the weekend, and... Must mention as well, I was at the game watching it live, and when he did it, I remember I, I texted you and I said, "Yeah, you did." This is eerily similar. Now I'm not a doctor, but maybe I should be. <laughs> <laughs> Just watching from afar Just and assessing people, <laughs> yeah, assessing injuries as they occur. But I, I messaged you and said, "This is eerily similar to Jones, Lucky Jones from Port, because he rolled his ankle and was hobbling around like Neil was." And then Neil went off, came back on and was like Superman. I'm like, he's definitely got a jab in his foot and he can't feel it. And then as it turns out, he's got syndesmosis. Same injury that uh, that Lockie Jones has. Yeah, so we can uh, now add Lockie Neal to the long-term injury list and a definite trade. He has also added along Dangerfield, who, as we know, did his ankle as well. Uh, then we had Josh Dunkley on the weekend, who, of course, sickeningly popped out his shoulder, not once, but twice. Did you see that? Yep. I didn't see it live, but I have seen it since, and it was not great. It was never good signs. In my um, unprofessional slash professional... Doctor's opinion? Yeah. I thought, if he's come back on and he's popped his shoulder again, just by trying to punch the ball, that's that's not a good sign. So, yeah, he goes in for surgery, and he's going to be out for uh, up to three months, they're saying. So, yeah, he is a definite trade as well. And then, of course, Dusty, who rounded out the, uh, the weekend of carnage very, very nicely 
with a nice little concussion, which is quite unusual because he is one guy who is super durable, much mm-hmm. like Lockie Neal. That's actually probably the other thing we should mention is that there are so many guys that are getting injured now that have been ultra durable over their careers. And I yeah. think Lockie Neal is one guy who's only missed like one game in four seasons. Dusty is like another guy. And I think Dangerfield as well. Um, yeah. Up until last year, he's been super durable. Yeah, I think Dusty's only missed like 12 games or something. Yeah, it's striking down all those durable guys. So, yeah, so much for my um, my strategy of only picking those guys who are durable. <laughs> Gee whiz. I think there's only there's only one soundtrack that can sum up the weekend, can't it? Yep. Here it is. The dedication to those injured guys. And it for me to think about what life could possibly be like without you. Thanks for that, uh, Dr. Damon Jackman. <laughs> so moving on, I uh, just wanted to know, do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Saviour, Jack Siebel? Oh, yes. He has scores of 113, 72, 100, 155, 107, 148, and 169. He's priced at 541.4K and has a break-even of two. It's just insane. What a gun. He's a god. He is the god. He is the one shining light of this season. We're like mere mortals, especially up forward when there's like, there's no one you can depend yeah. on it. He's averaging uh, 127.3 uh, for the season and was priced at 257.9k to start the season. He's also, I guess, even sort of legitimately becoming a, a solid, if they played a bit earlier in the round, but obviously with North Melbourne's uh, current form, don't think they're going to be playing too many uh, Friday night games, uh, has a very solid VC option if he, if he was to play earlier. Don't know if I'd risk it him as a captain, but uh, you, you almost could. Yeah, you almost could because, like, as you said, he's just absolutely insane. And just in terms of his, his kick-ins as well, on the weekend he had 60% of the kick-ins and he had nine in total. Eight of those were play-ons. Like, he's getting a bulk of his stats just through kick-ins alone. Like, he's the one guy, you know, we identified early on the season, like, you know, Shaw's going to be a massive beneficiary, Ridley, obviously. Yep. Do we ever think that Zebel, who has never really been a traditional defender, let alone someone who's been dependable as a kick-out option, would be scoring as much as he is from week to week? Absolute seagull. He is. He's the new seagull. Absolutely. And also should just briefly mention as well the frustration for the coaches who stuck fat with Jordan Clark and Braden Campbell. Named as exclusions, so you think, oh yeah, not going to play. Then they were brought on as the injury sub in-game and both of these guys dropped in value. So our hearts do go out to those who use them, especially as their captaincy loopholes. Like I haven't seen too many people mention it on Twitter. They're probably too busy like crying yeah but um alas he who shall not be named (laughs) chris scott has struck again (laughs) can't trust him just can't trust him can't trust him and i'm actually really thankful now i don't have any geelong players because of that reason yeah so don't have to deal with his stupidity anymore (laughs) thanks for that he actually can you make that an acronym who's not you can't (laughs) (laughs) who who's he who shall not be named. Nah, it doesn't quite work. Anyway, <laughs> that's the news for the week that was. <laughs> and let's move now straight on to The Price is Right. The Price is Wrong, bitch. In The Price is Right, we run through the top buy, sell, hold, and wait options for this round of Supercoach. We'll chat about the pros and cons and what we'll be doing with our teams this week. First up, is, is he here? Have we got him, David? 
Are you there? Franco, you're on, mate. Oh, wait, here he is. Grand style, grand style, grand style. Megalo, megalo, megalo. Thanks for that, Franco. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll chat to you next week. He actually bent us over a barrel because he said he's not going to come on this episode unless we buy... Not another bed suite. It was a three-piece bed suite. It was... Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> it was uh, two dresses and a, um, and a double bed. You should have seen it. Gee whiz, it was... <laughs> It was like painted white with all these floral ornaments on it. Jesus. I don't know how they're not flying <laughs> out of his doors. Like, they're amazing. I'll have to do a giveaway. Beautiful. Yeah, he has to do a giveaway. That's, that's virtually what he's doing with us. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Let's be honest. I actually have wondered, how is he making a living? And I have heard some rumors. Have you heard those rumors? I have not heard those rumors. Oh, apparently he's... um, he's, uh, Well, allegedly. We'll say allegedly because... Let's just say that he, uh, he's allegedly, <laughs> he's, he's, he's really big into import export in terms of um, hiding stuff within his furniture, but we'll leave it there. Oof. Oof. You're a great man, Franco. Please, please don't, don't send out a hit on us or anything. Bloody hell. <laughs> Is he still here? Frank, are you there, mate? No, he's gone. Thank God. Luckily, he didn't hear that one. That could have been awkward. So now let's get into the best buy options for this round. Uh, so we've got uh, Oliver, who obviously was a was a pretty good option for last week as well. He's got a break even of one hundred and twenty two, uh, priced at five hundred and ninety six k, and he's averaging one hundred and thirteen point five. He obviously faces the hapless ruse this weekend who realistically Melbourne should do a pretty sizable number against. So you'd expect him to uh, benefit from that as well. Uh, if you obviously didn't get a uh, Clary last week, uh, this is probably the week to jump on before he skyrockets. I know his break even is 122, but you'd probably expect him to go pretty well against the Ruse. What are your thoughts, Damon? Uh, last last couple of encounters against the Ruse, he scored 137 and 109. So, um, I mean, and then going by his recent form, against uh i guess i guess you could probably can you compare it to say a performance against freo where he scored 122 um mm. yeah <laughs> franco's thrown me franco has thrown me uh moving on to our next candidate who is someone who i've forever dubbed him as my boy and i did portray him you really did because I had him in my team in the preseason and I had to get rid of him. He had to be a scapegoat because I had to find some more cash to bring in another bloody primo in defense. And yeah, did that really help? Yeah, bloody injuries everywhere. That man is Sammy Walsh coming in at 581k. He's got a break even of 68 and he has an average of 119. Uh, so at that price of 581, like I said last week that Oliver is one of the bargains of the season. I think he's probably been eclipsed by Walshy. Uh, because he showed on the weekend that he, he had another blinder. And um, we're quite fortunate because, you know, if it weren't for that score mm-hmm. against the Suns where he scored 89, which disrupted his flow of 120 plus games, he would be well priced into, well, you know, I'd probably say the low 600K mark by now. Um, so that kept his break even uh, quite high at that stage because of it. Um, but given it now, like, he is way, way too cheap given that he's scoring output. Apart from that 89, he scored 122, 105, 124, 144, and 130. So he's well and truly scoring at the level of someone entrenched, well entrenched 
in the top M8 position. So he's got a very high floor yeah. based upon those scores and he's got a consistently high ceiling as well. He's not quite like a Brayshaw who's going to score, you know, yeah, around about 105, 110 mark. He's getting like well yeah. above the 120 plus. So really, really good option. And you probably, I think Brayshaw probably also has maybe a higher ceiling, but he also has much lower floor. Yep, spot on. Um, which is probably... The, the risk there as well. Yeah, it's been great having him in my side from the beginning. You were actually one of the one people to uh, get me onto him. I know, so, and that hurts me even more. Because yeah, it's pretty harsh. You've benefited from it, and I've just sat back just watching, and he was always going to come into my team, and I probably yeah. should have pulled the trigger when Rao went down because it was kind of those yeah, two. quite close in price, yeah. For, this, for the same spot, and I went for my other boy, my other man in... Uh, I've got to stop saying boy. My <laughs> other my other man in... In rarely, and uh, yeah, as we know, that was just really bad luck. But I mean, got him in now, so yeah, unfortunate. Uh, yeah. Next up on the list of buys is uh, Steel Side Bottom from Collingwood, priced at four hundred ninety three point three k, break even of seventy eight, and an average of eighty five point eight for the season. So he hasn't had the best return uh, in twenty twenty one, and I mean. To be honest, the jury's still probably out on him as an option. Mm. Uh, so he's obviously dropped quite a bit in cash, isn't averaging um, the greatest. He's had a couple of good scores in the past couple of weeks. Mm. But obviously the weekend score of 119 was inflated with 12 tackles. But with his uh, DPP status as a forward and as a midfielder, I mean, there's not much many options in the forward line. So can beggars really be choosers? What are your thoughts, Damon? Yeah, I mean... The one pleasing thing for him is the fact that he attended the most CBAs for Collingwood on the weekend with 88% uh, in the depleted engine room, which equates to 29 of a total 33 CBAs. So for me, the opportunity is there for him to increase his scoring. But um, yeah, like you said, his score on the weekend was inflated by those 12 tackles and his disposal efficiency was actually quite poor on the weekend as well, uh, around about 50-odd or thereabouts. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he's probably one that you, given the limit options, you probably should factor him in. And the fact that he does have a break-even of 78 is very much achievable, even though he has had a pretty poor season by his standards. Yep. His average is above that break-even. So if you want to jump on him, uh, he's probably one to jump on this week. Next up, we've got Dane Zorko, priced at 485.5K, break-even of 83, and uh, averaging 94.3 for the season. He's dropped a total of about 40K and presents as a value option up forward with a very gettable break-even. Um, obviously, with Neil going down, you would expect him to continue getting those midfield minutes. But the question, I guess, is will he get tagged with the absence of Neil? Given he has shown he is probably susceptible to a tag, you probably wouldn't be tagging Jared Lyons. You probably wouldn't be looking at him getting tagged. You'd probably be more likely to see Zorko get tagged. So that's the risk that you're going to have to take. So you might want to wait a week. Um, But obviously his break-even is low enough that uh, you could bring him in this round as well. So I guess uh, it's probably a bit of a a coin toss as to whether you bring him in. Yeah. For me, I think, yeah, you'd only bring him in like Sidebottom, I guess, if you definitely need a forward option to prevent you having to field a, a rookie. I mean, with with that, with Zorko, I think I'd probably afford to wait, which is what I'm doing personally, because I'm still very much weary of the fact that, yeah, he could attract a tag. We haven't seen how he plays without, uh, without Neil, and I always like to see that exposed form without a key, um, you know, I guess 
uh, chess piece there in um, the Lions ending room. And I think that, yeah, it can either go one of two ways. No doubt his uh, time in the middle is going to go up. But if he gets tagged on the weekend, you know, it kind of negates that, yeah. Yeah, that upside time, yeah. in the fact that, yeah, he could score more. Uh, so, yeah, for me, I mean, if, you, if you're desperate for someone, get him in. Like we said, it's kind of the same thing as side bottom. There's so few options out there. You have to go for someone at some point. Um, so, yeah, for me, flip of the coin, like you said. Yeah, I think between him and Zorko, yeah, it's both of them are sort of flip of the coin if you bring him in. Yeah. Um, moving on to another midfield option, uh, we've got Andrew Brayshaw from Fremantle, priced at 480k with a break even of just 53 um, I think we've spoken about him quite a bit in the past few weeks. Yeah. Um, and just sort of about how he doesn't really handle a tag that well and how opposition coaches have sort of targeted him a bit more as well with that tag, knowing that he, he's he's not coping with it. And I guess the, that's the, the key danger with him going forward. That's why he's dropped in price. But for the output that he can give you, he can give you some really good high scores and obviously the break even of 53. Um, it probably is worth a punt if you if you, if you really need someone if you don't have the cash and he probably could be a reasonably serviceable M8 at the very worst. Yeah, absolutely. Like we've probably spoken about him ad nauseum and he's he's got a very similar I guess outlook to Zorko in the fact that Brayshaw no longer has Cherry there in the midfield. Uh, he's alongside Mundy who's one guy who you'd think probably won't get tagged at his age and then you've got Fife who is still switching between midfield and forward so if someone's going to get tagged, it's going to be Brayshaw. And yeah. Zorko's very much the same, I think. Um, you're not going to tag the Lions. You're probably not going to tag a McCluggage. Um, and just on Zorko, I should have mentioned as well, just in terms of his CBAs, which is something we'll delve mm. into a bit a bit more when we're comparing the pair. Um, but his CBAs have actually increased and he had the most CBAs on the weekend with 68%, which is up from the previous two weeks. So we'll delve into that a little bit, um, a little bit later. But uh, just thought I'd, I'd add that in also. Nice one. So we've also got a few rookies on the bubble this week. We've obviously got Finlay McRae from Collingwood. We've got Farah from the Suns and Devin Robertson from the Lions. He's obviously not quite on the bubble, but he's had a got a break even of one and had a pretty good score on the weekend. And you'd also expect him to have some better job security uh, considering Neil's injury and there being an open spot in that midfield. He also has uh, the handy DPP status as well as a mid forward. Of those guys, Damon, are there any of them that you would consider bringing in? Yeah, there's a couple there. Um, you could probably make an argument for all three. Uh, the one thing for Farrow is the fact that he is priced at that, that higher end. He is priced, let me just have a quick look, at 184. 80, yeah. Yeah, 184, 300. Uh, and he is only selectable as a forward. So, you know, if he had a DPP element to him, uh, you could probably say that, yeah, you'd have him on par with uh, a Finlay McRae. Uh, but for me, I think looking longer term, someone with a DPP just opens up so much more options yeah. for you, especially in terms of cover. And yeah, I mean, Farah did score well in his first game, uh, scored 83, but then he, he followed up with a 59 on the weekend. Uh, he's playing quite a few minutes and I think he's actually playing in defense, even though he is listed as a forward in Supercoach. Yeah. So I mean, he is a, a really high-marking uh, player as well, which which does bump up his scoring from week to week. So, I mean, because he is at the higher price point, he's only selectable as a forward. I'll probably cross him off the list. Finlay McRae, uh, he's obviously not a basement uh, price option, but he does come in with that DPP option yeah. to his uh, to his game, I guess, in Supercoach. 
And the one thing that I really love about him is the fact, probably out of all those three names there, is the fact that I, I'm almost 100% certain he's going to be playing all year by injury. Yeah. I mean, you look at Collingwood, where they're at at the moment, their supporters are out for blood. They're calling for Buckley's head. They're asking the club to play as many rookies as they can. And I think if they were to drop McRae um, or not give him the minutes, it goes against sort of that policy and ethos that they're looking towards that, that next stage. I think they're going through a bit of a re- rebuild. And I think doing anything less than playing him alongside the other rookies uh, you know, goes against that thinking. So for me, I love McRae's job security. I mean, his scoring at the moment isn't the best, uh, especially on the weekend just gone. He only scored a 37. Uh, a week before, he scored a 41. But, I mean, he's probably not playing predominantly in the midfield for me just yet. Yeah, He's playing a variety of roles up forward as well, um, long wing in the midfield. So I think when he gets dedicated minutes, which I think should come uh, over time, they're probably just easing him into the, uh, the tempo of senior footy at the moment. We'll see his scores rise. No doubt he's very much like his brother. He can find the ball at will. And um, someone actually made a very good point on Twitter, I think it was. I can't remember who said it, but shout out to that person, that nameless person. They compared his first couple of games to his brother. Oh, yeah, I saw this. And it was actually scoring very similar at yep. this stage. So, I mean, you know, he is a rookie. First two games at senior level, you can't expect him to be a world beater. They're not all a Matty Rao. But I think we've seen enough there, especially in junior form as well, that he's going to score well at some stage. So... For me, he is someone that I'm looking to bring in. Uh, and then Robertson as well. Um, I do like the fact that he is scoring quite well. He's one guy as well. Uh, I think it's his second year on the list uh, for the Lions. He's played one game early on last year and then was never to be seen again. Poor bloke. But uh, for me, in his junior level as well, under 18s, he was known as just a pure accumulator. And of the two of the three games that he's played so far to date, he scored an 83 97 and the third game was 35 which was in between so I think now with Neil no longer yep. being there I think he's going to get dedicated minutes his minutes were up on the weekend he got uh, 12 extra minutes compared to round 3 and uh, what's that 17 extra minutes compared to his second game so his minutes are on the up uh, so I think for me you could probably flip a coin on him as well he's now gone up 49k yeah. on his initial price so he's priced at 225800 if you have the money yeah. I'd say get him in uh, but of course you're not going to be getting that initial price yeah. bump uh, coin in your bank first up through the trade down um, and you're pretty much going to have to trade up I think or if you're trading down someone it'll be like a sideways trade of like a row to a Robertson um, so for me I'd rank them in order of McRae Robertson and Farrah what about yourself are there any just Anything I missed? No, nah, nah, that is exactly what I would say as well. The main concern for me with Robertson is obviously his price. Um, I think is about 250k off the top of my head. 225. Yeah, sorry, 225. Not quite 250. But even then, at the 225 mark, he's already made, yep. I think, 40-ish k. And you're not going to get that initial price rise. And yeah, it's sort of a bit of an awkward price point where you're going to have to trade, do more of a sideways trade of a rookie to him. But if, you, if you're really struggling for options, perhaps that's not, not a bad one to go with. Absolutely. And moving on to the sell, open up the cash register. And the first couple of guys, I mean, the only two, two guys that we've mentioned here 
a Dunkley, of course, and Neil. So it's a pretty simple one here. Both out long-term injuries. Time to move them on. We'll uh, touch on the potential uh, ins uh, with a few questions that people have sent in. But, you know, those guys that were spoken of previously in the buy column, Oliver, Walsh, obviously, if you haven't got Senor McRae, <laughs> get him in. And, you know, there's there's so many guys that you can choose from, especially at Dunks' price point. So check that out. Neil, um, a little bit more limited for options, but, um, you know, you can still, you know, put some cash in and, and get an Oliver or a Walsh or someone of that ilk. Yeah, precisely. Now, moving on to the Holtz. These three guys offer a bit of an interesting conundrum. So that's Goulden, Chapman, and uh, James Rowe from Adelaide. So they've got break-even of 78 for Goulden, 68 for Chapman, and 31 for James Rowe. So I brought them all together as the key issue facing most coaches this week will be injury and omission donuts. So it is a long season, and while you might be wanting to punt these blokes now, they could help cover for an injured player or obviously an omission. They may lose some cash this week, but it may also be worth holding depending on your position with trades and injuries. We have also seen that they have had relatively good scoring ceilings, so there's potential that they smash out another good score and pump up their cash churn again. For me, I'd probably be looking to hold. I think there's bigger issues this week than these guys. You've always got to remember that the season's long. And yes, they might lose, you know, a couple of thousand this week, but their break even will also lower. So if they can smash out a big a big score, then it's it's worth holding them. And I think with sort of the lack of other rookie options that are coming in right now, it's worth holding them. Unless you're gonna be doing a pure upgrade and your team's fine, then I'd yeah, definitely be looking to hold at this stage. What about yourself, Damon? Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's probably more so, like you mentioned, the fact that there are a lack of rookies coming in. Um you know, I mean, we were probably both in the same position where we needed a couple of weeks ago to get rid of someone, and that someone was it was Cozzy. And you could probably put him in this category at the moment. Like, you, it's it's very much down to luck. You can't you can't obviously yeah. work out when guys are going to score well because there are first first year players. But Cozzy on the weekend, as we saw, smashed out a hundred odd. And he's now kickstarted his cash gen where it looked that he was going to be a really slow burn um, and was someone that was expendable. So the same applies to these guys here, but probably more so because they have shown that they do have, you know, high scoring ceilings. Uh, so all it takes is for them to recapture that form in those games on the weekend or weekends to follow. And they, they will kickstart their cash gen off the back of that. So, yeah, I think it's it's very good advice to... Um, to really heed and um, yeah, right now yeah. Uh, it's probably worth holding some of these rookies just to ensure you don't cop any donuts because as we've seen, injuries are coming thick and fast and we need as many warm yep. bodies as we can. Yeah, and that's sort of the point that I'm, I'm trying to make there is just that it's, uh, while they might not be scoring super well, they're at least scoring as opposed to some of the other players that we might have to hold um, for injury um, or for for emissions, I guess, as well. Mm. So moving on now, we've got uh, Scott... Uh, from the Western Bulldogs, priced at 201.8k with a break-even of 20. He's appreciated by a touch under 100k now, uh, and with consecutive scores in the 60s, will go up close to another uh, 40k over the next two to three weeks if he can maintain that average. Uh, Definitely one to keep hold of. He's also got that handy DPP status as well. Uh, We've also got McNeil. He's uh, 
rookie counterpart from the uh, from the doggies, uh, priced 195.4k, break even of minus eight. He obviously got a bit of a fortuitous price rise yet again, given he came on very very early as the medical sub off the back of Jung's injury, scoring a 50. Like Scott, he should forge a similar path in projected price rises over the coming weeks. I actually remember messaging you being like, why is McNeil on? Yeah, well, you did. Why is, didn't he get rested? <laughs> so much for him having a rest, the poor bloke. He's just like, yeah, I, know. I just want a break. He's probably rocked up to the, the game in like his slippers and dressing gown. He's like, yep, he's going to kick back. And I was going to say he's smoking a cigar, but he wouldn't do that. Modern day footballers don't do that. Um, but nope. kicking back, having a energy drink of some sort. Having a Gatorade. A Gatorade, yes. A Gatorade. <laughs> <laughs> like all good sports people do. Um, and then there's like, no, nah, on you come because of poor Jongy. But yeah, for me, McNeil and Scott, I actually get them very, very confused because they started at a very similar price point. Yeah. They're very much at a similar price tag at the moment and they both play for the doggies. So yeah, keep hold of both of those two guys if you can, because uh, yeah, they could be making another up to 40K um, over the coming weeks, which is which is good. The next bloke, Liam. Is uh is one of your favourites? My favourite person. Yeah, have you got over it now? Is he, yeah. Like he's you is he on in your good books now? He's in my good books just because he scored well on the weekend, but it's it's tenuous. It's tenuous. You've you've peeled him out of your your burn book, out of your Mean Girls uh, reference there, <laughs> out of your burn book. But I've got the I've got the the glue stick ready to paste him back in if he burns me. <laughs> First it was Pal, then it was no no Pal. It, was it wasn't really Pal's fault. It was Jordan's fault. Okay. Okay. By extension, though, it was it was it was uh, extended to to Powell, wasn't it? Your hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> James Gordon, two forty one point six k comes in at, and he's got a break even of negative sixteen. And gee, hasn't he turned it around? Because he had a low score of twenty four two rounds ago against the Cats when, uh, as we as we saw, May got subbed off. So that just threw his positioning buddy out the window and he scored like shit uh, to put it bluntly but since then he scored 76 and 82 and now with a break even of negative 16 and the ruse awaiting as his next opponent i think we couldn't have wished for a better position for a cash cow to be in that he's in at the moment what do you reckon yeah yeah i am 100% with you there negative break even he's already made what 120ish k off the top yep. of my head so he'll just have some more cash to make and it will be beautiful but he's also he's also scoring very well if you keep him mm. on field touch wood he obviously scores well again i mean i've seen i've seen that 24 on my field it hurts <laughs> um yeah if he continues scoring the way he is he can you can hold him on field and, and it it's a pretty good score if you do have an injury such as to the man next on the list, which is Dustin Martin, mm. who is priced at 482.9K with a break-even of 153. Um, after plugging a Ridley-sized hole last week in our defensive line, we're now left to plug a Martin-sized hole. Uh, it obviously goes without saying, please do not trade him. I've seen a few people trade him out. Just don't do it. Mm. I'm not going to be as angry as it, I was when it was with Ridley, but that's probably because he's my boy. Um, but anyway, with... Obviously, not that many forward Primo options available. It's just not worthwhile trading him out because you're going to need to get him tr- to trade him back in. There's not a lot of options to trade him out to that are going to be sure things the same way that, I guess, Dustin Martin is. Spot on. And moving on to the weight category. And uh, Jack Steele headlines that at 643.5k. 
it's probably uh, you'd probably be thinking this is an interesting weight um, candidate, but he's got a break even of 170. And um, according to our good friend Bryce Mitchell, you should target the Saints skipper in round 10, where he'll be priced around 605k or thereabouts. And uh, he was actually one guy I was looking at uh, first up because I was like, I have to get in steel. He's the one guy who I don't have. Yeah. But yeah, given that break even, uh, even if he has you know a score to his standard. Uh, he's still going to drop in price, you'd think, unless he has a freaking out-of-the-water game. But, uh, yeah, wait if you can, or at least a week. Assess it again next week and, um, yeah, look elsewhere for the time being. Yep. He does come up against the uh, Hawks. So they are they tagging anyone? Uh, I think they used Amira at one mm, stage. Okay. I think. Oh, no, sorry, Warple. Warple, Warple is a yeah, tagger. Yeah. Potential, potential for a tag, but... Likewise, could also score quite well. I think, yeah, just yeah. as as mentioned there, his break even of 170 is not unachievable, but it's unlikely you'd see him get up to there. So you should see him be able to get him for a cheaper price in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we've also got another Saint here, Roland Marshall, priced at 557.2K, break even of 146. So the Saints, Ruckman obviously returned from injury earlier this year and has scored a 50 in his return game, had a rest and then followed it up with 132 last weekend. I've seen a few coaches bringing him in. I guess that's just due to the injury crisis, I guess, that's happening up forward with um, Martin and Dunkley both going down. But you can probably afford to wait here um, he should continue to drop in price. And again, according to our good friend Bryce Mitchell, he should be ripe for the picking in about round 10. Absolutely. And uh, moving on to another guy who has just burst from the blocks. And that man is Kung Fu, Toby Green, coming in at 505.1K. He's got a break even of 113. And uh, like I said, he's he's been going absolutely bananas, especially since Cogs went down with injury yeah. and he's taken over that captaincy mantle. He's really taken it in his stride and performed like a captain. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's having quite a good season. He's averaging 100 for the season so far. He's got scores of 86, 93, and then 117, 120. A bit of a downer with 76. Uh, and 108 but uh, a lot of his points have come off the back of just bags of goals so in round three he scored five round four he kicked another five on the weekend he he scored four goals and I must mention as well that game against the Swans he actually kicked one goal seven (laughs) Jesus so um, (laughs) he's he's definitely having quite a few scoring shots in front of goal Um, and if he was to convert them all or you know a majority of them he would have scored 120 plus again so you probably shouldn't read too much into that score there against the Swans. But um, yeah, I'd probably continue to wait on him. Uh, whilst his break-even is quite gettable, there still is the chance that he may slide down in cash ever so slightly and you can pick him up a bit cheaper. If he goes bananas, we do apologize. But um, <laughs> we are banking on him scoring around about that break-even mark or you know, quietly hoping that he is going to score a little bit less. Yeah, precisely. So now moving on, I guess we'll jump into the burning question of this round of Supercoach, and that's what to do with Neil, Dusty, and Dunkley, obviously the three key injuries coming out of this round. So there's there's probably two key options. The first one is to bring in the best available primo that you're missing. So if you just have a listen back to our buy options, any of those guys would be would be well worth if you're missing one of them. So if you're missing McRae, you're missing Oliver, it's probably worth bringing one of them in for Neil or Dunkley if if you have that cash. With I mean, obviously, you've got Dunkley. You've pretty much got as much cash as you'd need to pick up anybody. 
With Dusty, obviously, hold him. Do not trade him, as we've discussed. But there's also another option that was actually asked about by uh, Tom Eckstein on Twitter, who is at TXT. He asked uh, if they, you could use the situation to trade in a, a Gorn or Grundy uh, if you don't have them by using Neil and or Dunkley. And I think that's actually a pretty good option right now. Um, obviously, those two are scoring off the charts with Gorn and Grundy. If if you have the opportunity now to bring them in, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, it probably makes the most sense, I think. Yeah, especially there's a lot of coaches out there that started with Flynn as there are two or Hunter or someone else that was... A bit silly. We can say easy now in retrospect. But like with, with Dunkley, comparing it to, say, uh, Grundy, he's only going to cost you an extra 15K900. If you haven't got Gorn, on the other hand, it's going to cost you an extra 122 grand. just uh, doing loose sums there. Uh, so, yeah, if you're in either of those situations there, do that 100%. Yeah, I agree with you entirely there. So let's now move on to uh, what our trade options this round will be. Do you want to go first, Damon? Yeah, so um, Dunks is 100% out for my boy Walshy. Uh, So we're finally, finally reunited (laughs) after I said earlier that I did that dumbass thing of making him a scapegoat in the preseason in order to bank a little bit more cash to strengthen my defense. As for my second trade, I'm not sure yet. Um, I think I will probably... There's one of two options. Obviously, hold the second trade because I've been trading like a madman yeah. or use that to maybe get McRae in, who I really like, as I said earlier. He's got that DPP. He's uh, one of the cheaper options and I think he's scoring. I can see it being on the rise. So he has that um, uh, he has that upside to his yeah. game. So it's going to be either of those two options. The third option, which is a bit of a smoky and something that would see me throwing caution to the wind is bringing in a Robertson from the Lions. But again, that's a major risk. I've done that in the past where I brought in Witherden um, during the across the Supercoach finals last year. Didn't work. He was a higher-priced option. Obviously not a, a rookie, but higher-priced option, and he ended up getting dropped. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that comes with the risks. But those are probably the the three main options there. What about yourself? Yeah, unless I absolutely must, I'm only going to be using the one trade this round. I end up having to use the two last round that I didn't really want to use, but I did get my man McRae in, finally. Um, Dunks will obviously be making his way out of my side, and I'm not entirely sold on who I'm going to bring in. Potentially, most likely, I think at this stage, it's probably going to be Oliver. That value is just too good to pass up. He's just going to keep scoring well week in, week out. And he hasn't risen in price too much that is going to make me unaffordable. But I'm also considering potentially bolstering my forward line as well, considering maybe a Toby Green, a Zorko or side bottom. If I do bring in Toby Green, though, it's going to be crazy considering the, the injury carnage, the suspension carnage. I'm just off. I'm just I'm just bringing it on myself if I do that, aren't I? <laughs> Yeah, that's the one thing that is still holding me back from bringing in Green because I know this, the second that I bring him in, he's going to not even ping his, his calf or whatever soft tissue it is during a game. It's going to be during training during the week. I can just see it happening where, yeah. like, he, you know, the week I get him in, performs well, and then in training in the week after, he's going to hurt himself. So that'll be just my luck. But I'm opting at this stage to not touch any forwards because yeah. they just absolutely scare me. Uh, even though he is a really good option, having said that. Yeah, so I'm not not entirely sure what I'm going to be doing this week, but 
my money would probably be on bringing an Oliver in at this stage. But now that we're uh, plugging holes left, right and centre due to long-term injuries, it's time for an old favourite to help you out for your trade-in conundrums. Same price. Same position. Same super coach contribution. But there could be a season of difference between their scoring output. Compare the pair. That's right. In Compare the Pair, we look at two options that might be vying for the same spot on your side. This week, we've got a very common and very popular option of Zorko versus Sidebottom. Damon, do you want to kick us off with this one? Yeah, well, uh, both of those guys, as we've spoken about previously, they both come with their own concerns. Zorko with the uncertainty over whether he attracts a tag now that Neil is out. Yep. And with Sidebottom, it's in terms of his scoring output and his score from the weekend being inflated by those 12 tackles that really did offset his poor disposal efficiency of 50% which reared its head over the, the past few weeks as well, um, with uh, just a 46% disposal efficiency against the Giants as well that held his score, his super coach score, I should say, to 79, despite scoring 108 in fantasy. So his poor disposal efficiency may put a limited ceiling on his scoring output. Yep. So, you know, there's sort of that side of things with side bottom. I think for me, with Neil now creating a key vacancy in the Lions midfield, Zorko should get those increased minutes there. So even with Neil playing out the full game on the weekend, Zorko spent the most time there all season with 68%. And if you look at his previous couple of weeks as well, his CBAs have increased uh, where they've risen from 41 to 52% and then 68% on the weekend. So there is now that increased opportunity for him. Um, So I'd say that Zorko probably presents with the most upside especially with his propensity for a really high-scoring ceiling game. So I think in terms of scoring output, side bottom, you know, he's, he's in his 30s now. Uh, he's, he's getting older. I think now also with the, you know, the injury curse, I guess, that's sweeping the league, I can see him breaking down with another injury. He, of course, had a um, delayed start to the season. Zorko, I think, is probably more durable. Uh, so weighing them up, I'd probably, uh, I'd probably go for Zorko. What about yourself? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty similar there. I'm very fifty-fifty on the two. I think if if Sadi can get his disposal efficiency fixed up, he's got a really good potential for a ceiling there. But that being said, he obviously isn't kicking or disposing the ball that well, which is obviously really hurting his his super coach scores. And as you said, Neil's absence in the Brisbane midfield obviously presents Zorko with a bit more of an opportunity there, but it also, I think, gives him more opportunity for a tag, which I'd be more concerned about. It's a bit of a coin toss, but if I had to choose one, it'd probably be Zorko with you. Very nice. And with that, let's move on to our next segment, which is Liam. I am the captain I'm now. The captain now. <laughs> Look at me. I'm captain now that's right in i'm the captain now every week we bring you our top choices for the vice captain and captaincy we'll be discussing some of the key options and some that may even be a little bit left of field so i do i do feel like this has been a little bit of a rinse and repeat uh the past few weeks but we'll, we'll kick it off now with uh jack mccray plays on the friday night against the tigers he's got a pretty good average against the tigers with the last four mm. with an average of 137.3 and scores of 162 107 163 and 117 so his average in the last four against the tigers are even above his season average this year which is 131 which is which is nuts the tigers obviously don't generally play with a run with player through the midfield so he does have the potential to go quite 
big and is with that Friday night game is perfect for a VC option. Absolutely. And another guy who, like you mentioned, <laughs> is a rinse and repeat with uh, set and forget because he is a set and forget. He's part of that combo. He's Brody Grundy, plays on Saturday Arvo against the Suns. And uh, as we've seen over the past few weeks, the Suns have been rolling with uh, virtually no ruck setup because their main ruck choice in wits has been injured. So, I mean, at worst, he goes up against Zach Smith, who is uh, is still injured but is returning from injury, may play this weekend. But obviously, if he doesn't get up, uh, Brody Grundy is going to be coming up against pretty much an inanimate carbon rod uh, to, to, to borrow a Simpsons reference. So, uh, you know, he could very much be in for, in for another massive score. He doesn't have the best average against the Suns with 109.8 in his last four. He scored 105, 121, 136 and 77. But remember that was when he faced Wits, who of course isn't relevant this time around. But uh, yeah, he's just hands down another great vice captaincy option if you don't opt for McRae on the Friday night. Yes, exactly. Next up, we've got Clayton Oliver playing on the Sunday Arvo against North Melbourne. Obviously comes up against the hapless Drews on the weekend, um, who he averages 122.8 against in his last four with scores of 137, 109, 75 and 170. But I mean... It could be a pretty big one as well. He's coming up against, obviously, the winless North Melbourne side. He's a bit, probably a bit more of a left field option if one of your VCs doesn't fire, obviously, playing on the Sunday afternoon. I think it's the early game as well, though, down in Hobart. And he's uh, his next teammate and, uh, well, captain as well, isn't yeah. he? Max Gorn, the big one you've written here in the sheet, and uh, he's very much the big one, and he could be in for a big one because, yes, he does face North Melbourne as well. Comes up against Todd Goldstein. Uh, so, I mean, you'd think that it's going to be a tough matchup or at least one that he, that the Ruiz may strike even with, but he's actually averaging 153 in his last four against the Ruse with uh, 212 117, 111, and 172. And uh, his season average, of course, is 141.2. So I think, yeah, he's a pretty safe bet if your vice captain fails to fire, whether that, you know, vice captaincy be on Grundy or McRae. Jeez, we're sport for choice, aren't we? Yeah, I just don't know how you can go past the big Max Gorn, but if you're looking for someone else, I guess a bit of a left field option Here we go. is uh, Jordan Ridley. On the Sunday Arvo against the Blues. So actually, I did a bit of digging here. It's good, some good stats by me, I think. I'll come up yeah, with a bit in a minute. So obviously another left field option if, I guess if you're looking for someone that you just want to be a bit different, um, or if obviously your VC really doesn't fire and you don't have max scorn for some unknown reason, if you're really playing that really risky game. He's only played against the Blues on one occasion, and that was with a score of 134, obviously last season. If he does return from concussion, and by all reports, he will, you'd expect him to be back taking those kickouts. And I did a bit of digging, looked back at mm. uh, the past Carlton scores this season, and Carlton's goal kicking has been quite wayward this year. Only twice have they kicked more goals in the behinds. Obviously, Damon, you, you'll be able to vouch for this. Yep. And they're actually averaging 12.8 behinds a game this season. So just, I guess, just, just going to leave that there. Just a little food for thought if you're looking for another option this week with uh, Jordan Ridley loving to take a kick out. 
I, I do appreciate the stats, but I don't appreciate being reminded of how shit going <laughs> over the past few weeks. But no, a very, very, very good stat nonetheless. And it's something that I think a lot of people don't look into as deeply. And especially with guys like that, like the kickout merchants, the kickout machines like a Ridley or a, or a Zeeble, um, look to see how many you know behinds yeah. that their opponents are kicking. Uh, on average and, and try and assess from there because as we've seen with Zeeble and Ridley as well the bulk of their points are coming through kicking so very very good start there Liam appreciate that thank you who are you going with out of that uh, that long list of that luscious list of captaincy options I think I'm going to go super safe this round um, I'll be going Grundy into Gorn it's just the safest option I can't go past Max Gorn as the captain Hopefully I don't have to rely on Max Gorn as the captain though. Hopefully Grundy goes massive against the Suns. But McRae on Friday night is very, very, very juicy. That he is, absolutely. And I I wouldn't uh I wouldn't say it's it's a bad move to to put the vice captaincy on McRae given he's just I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it early. Oh. I've been doing my own like I've been doing over the past few years when I haven't been working in the AFL and I've been allowed to do it. I've been doing a, a Brownlow count, and um, I have McRae top of the list at the moment, and he is my Brownlow fancy. So yeah, he's in the in the form of his career at the moment, and uh, yeah, he is. if you go with him, it's not something to be sneezed at. But yeah, like yourself, I'm going with the Gondi combo for the third consecutive <laughs> week, just because it hasn't let me down. Um, given their juicy matchups against a struggling North Melbourne and Grundy potentially facing virtually no. First choice Ruckman if Zach Smith doesn't play. But uh, all the very best to that inanimate carbon rod that comes up against Grundy. He's going to need that. <laughs> and uh, let's move on to our last segment of the episode, which is... I got to know. <laughs> hey, I got to know. First up in I got to know, we have our very first question sent in from Simon Pullen. He asks, new to Supercoach on a steep learning curve. Well, welcome to the um, to the pleasure and pain that is Supercoach. Uh, talk to me about primos, he says. What is the minimum average to be looking at for a defender, midfield, and forward? Cheers, Simon. P.S. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Oh, very nice to say. Thank you very much for tuning in, Simon. Appreciate it. What do you reckon, Liam? Yeah, welcome to the community, Simon. Thanks for the kind words there. Jumping into your question, so essentially there's no real minimum average as such that you're looking for in each line. So you're not looking for a specific average in the defensive line, midfield and forward line. But what you are looking for are the players who will have the top 6-8 average across each line by the end of the season. And I guess even then from the moment where you trade them into your side. But I think I'll chat about that more in detail around the buys. Those are the players who you'll want to target to maximize your scoring. So this season, I feel in the defensive and midfield lines, it's relatively clear-cut. But the forward line, I guess, is where the real questions are. It's really the hardest to pick those top six to eight forwards right now. So while players like Jack Zeeble, who's averaging 127.3, and Impey, who's averaging 99.3, aren't, I guess, your typical forward primos, they are showing the best scoring potential at this stage, and they may end up being top six forwards by season's end if they do continue their form. But I guess if you look at the top six forwards based on the total points for the season at this point so far, you've got Josh Dunkley, who's obviously now injured. You've got Jack Zeeble, Taylor Walker, Toby Green, and Jarman Impey. And only really two of those guys are tried and tested primos, and that's Josh Dunkley and maybe Toby Green. 
uh, he sort of has been in the past. The rest are all just sort of having seasons like they never had before scoring-wise. So I guess the best way to combat the concerns over this is that you look to upgrade your other lines before the forwards. So that's what I'll be doing. I'll be looking to upgrade my defense, my defenders and my midfielders, and then hopefully that allows me some time to see who comes to the front of the pack of the forward primos as the season goes on. And I won't, I guess, be trading in players and wasting my trades on players who might just be having a couple of good games um, and won't end the season as a top forward. Yeah, spot on. I'd yeah, recommend waiting to upgrade your forwards until you've sorted your defence and midfield first with the definitive primos in those respective areas. Like you said, you know, in the forward line, uh, looks as though we'll need to wait properly to um, borrow a phrase from uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, let the cream rise to the top, <laughs> so to speak, in order to work out who will definitively finish as the top six forward. So yeah, we're set at the moment. Jay-Z, Impy, Green, Dusty for me are probably the only ones that stick out at this stage with pure guesswork as to the last two spots. It could be Zorko, it could be Sidey, it could be Marshall even. Um, but Tom yeah, McDonald? I mean, you've got to... Yeah, Tom McDonald, exactly. Could be Tex Could be Walker. Tex. Yeah, the big Texan. Um, but yeah, uh, if that answers your question, um, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Wait, wait for your forwards uh, and try and upgrade your defense and your midfield. Uh, first and foremost. Yeah, so there's no real yeah, definitive answer as to the minimum averages, but you're just looking at, at who's performing the best in those in those uh, lines, I guess. For sure. And the next question is sent in by Sam, who is at AU Pinker. Can we consider Jack Zeeble a seagull now? <laughs> is he turning into the next Jake Lloyd or even better? Liam. I mean, I guess. By the way it looks, I guess he kind of is. Is taking, obviously, this weekend, took 60% of the kickouts um, and played on from all of them but one. So he's also averaging 30 disposals a game, mostly as kicks as well, and mm. getting 8.5 marks a game as well. All stats that are super coach gold. But obviously the, the kickouts are the main ones that's helping him to really get that those really high scoring games that we've seen from him like we've never seen before I guess yeah well he's probably taking the mantle of Seagull just because uh, the usual Seagull in Jake Lloyd has probably he's been down a bit this yeah. season uh, from his usual output he's he's been consistently around about that 95 to 100 mark week in week out but he hasn't really had any massive massive ceiling games like Jack Siebel has had so I mean yeah is he now being awarded the Seagull uh, crown? I don't know. Chip. chip. Sorry, chip. yeah. The chip. So, yeah, he's um he's chomping up the chips <laughs> on on the weekly. So, yeah, he's a, he's, he's a good one to have in your team. Next question was sent in by our good mate, Emper, at Emper underscore X. He asks, is T-Mac the forward line saviour? Amongst all forwards, Dunkley excluded, he holds the fourth highest Q1 of 88. Only Impey with 89, Walker with 104, and Zebel 109 have a higher Q1. And T-Mac is just 431k with a break-even of nine. Liam, what do you think? So I'll just quickly try and explain what the Q1 is with my very limited maths and stats expertise from quite a long time ago. <laughs> but essentially, from what I understand, in a supercoach sense, your Q1 would be sort of the middle point of your floor. So the lower, the, the, the first quartile of the, the, the lowest scores that you have. 
so essentially he's just sort of looking at at, what the, at the flaws that you would expect from these 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 guys so the lower score that they're going to get and I guess T-Mac is a bit of an interesting one um, with that in mind. Um, the main concern for me here is that there's still some players to come in that you would expect could sort of take his role or take his place a little bit. Um, and that's obviously with Ben Brown not having played. Um, there's another Wiedemann. Yep. Wiedemann, who hasn't obviously played this season either, who could sort of take that 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 forward role as well away from him. However, he is sort of showing that form of the 2018 season, similarly to the D's as well, who obviously came out of the box in 2018. Um, and he could be one to jump on at that price with a break-even of nine. But as we've discussed a bit earlier, it probably makes more sense to upgrade your other lines before the forward line. However, looking at that, if, if he is someone that you expect to be a keeper, it's pretty good value. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, like you mentioned, Brown and Wiedemann, for me, are two that worry me in terms of those yet to come back into the D side that could disrupt his game. Probably more so Brown because he hasn't yet played with him before. But yeah, there's no denying his great value, no doubt. But yeah, he does come with some risk, like a lot of, uh, you know, forward options do at the moment with Zorko, side bottom, like we mentioned. So, I mean, uh, you've got to put him probably in that same bracket as well. Uh, If you want to take the risk, fair enough. But uh, with limited trades... Uh, for me, I probably opt elsewhere. Next question was sent in by Matthew uh, Tekanovic or Tersinovic or the other option that we're not saying. <laughs> so apologies if we're butchering your name, Mr. At M Tersinovic. I've done it again. Uh, he asks Tex or Toby Green. Uh, I'll jump in just quickly. Uh, yeah, so like I've mentioned in previous episodes, I hold out of anyone without any pure historical data of them having been a primo in the past. And uh, as we know, Tex has been far from that. However, his scores have been out of this world thus far. He has had injury clouds, though, hanging over his head over the past two weeks, which I think were calf-related. Uh, one which was at training and one which was which was in-game. Yeah. Uh, may have been another injury, but it was, it was soft tissue nonetheless. But at his age... With the current injury carnage sweeping the competition, I really see that as a bad bad mix. With Green, on the other hand, he can contend with the highest scorers on his day and finish among the top six forwards, no doubt. He's had averages of 102, 90, 96, 93, and 83 over the past few seasons. And given that, I'd probably take my chances on him as opposed to Tex. He's taken his game to another level as well, as we've seen. He's relished the captaincy in absence of Cogs. However... He hasn't played a full season in five years. So, of course, he doesn't come without his own risks, both in terms of suspension. As we know, he's tried to eye gouge, allegedly. He's karate chopped people. He's pulled hair, everything in between. And he's also had those soft tissue injuries. So, yeah. again, another guy who has potential but comes with risk. All we're saying here, I've just like realized all these guys we've been talking about come with risks. Yeah. And it's in a season that's been absolute mayhem. So, I mean, we should probably throw these risks out the window because who's to say that these guys that have had bad injury issues and stuff actually come good? <laughs> yeah, perhaps. And surely, surely Green's going to be, you know, the, the the captain now. He's captain. He's, he's like, I'm not going to do just stuff like, you know, karate chop people. That's not a captain thing to do. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's like a topsy turvy world and Green's just being real normal. Like everyone yeah, that's like yeah. not injury prone is getting injured and Green's just being yeah. like, I am not going to karate chop you. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've, I've kind of like just on that, I have noticed as well in games that I think it was on the weekend he gave away a free kick 
and the free kick wasn't there. And if I was in his position, I would have lost my shit at the yeah. umpire. But he was actually really composed, stood the, stood the mark, looked at the umpire, shook his head, and then just like put his arms up. And I was like, whoa, like, yeah. has Tobes like matured? Perhaps, like, yeah. Has this captaincy role done something to him as a leader? I don't know, but I was really impressed. I was really, really impressed. So It's good to see, good to see. Yeah, that's a good, um, good positive sign. Just jumping in there as well, I do think that with the averages that we've seen from Toby Green, even if he doesn't average super high, it's still better than the averages that we've seen from Tex Walker in the past. Yeah. So based off that alone, Green's the, the probably the better option to have. If you if you want to look at it that way, I don't think we would have seen averages of 102, 90, 96, 93, and 83 from Tex Walker. 83 would probably be his absolute highest. That was probably yeah. quite a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, for, for mine, despite the risk of Toby Green getting suspended or, or injured, I think it's probably almost at a time where you have to almost throw caution to the wind now. Everyone's getting injured. Everyone's... You, you can't really... Well, you want to choose durable players... It's sort of so hard to choose players who aren't getting injured right now. I mean, everyone's getting injured. Mm. It's a curse. There probably is merit to it. I'm surprised that no one uh, in the journal world has actually looked into it a bit further. But I reckon it's a it's a fall out, I guess, from the limited minutes in the quarters last season. Yeah. Uh, and now it's gone back to normal length quarters again. The players, and they haven't really increased any rotations... They've had to play with the same amount of rotations, play for longer on field. And of course, that's going to come with soft, soft tissue injuries, like syndesmosis injuries and stuff as well, because of that fact. Like they're putting their bodies to the ringer and they're just not used to it. Yeah, well, didn't they? They also decreased the number of rotations as well, I think. Yeah, actually, you're right. Which probably is really tough yeah. considering that they've increased the length of the quarters as well. Bloody ridiculous, but oh, I'll say yeah. FL for you. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> We've got a question here from Quentin Quarantino, who is at... <laughs> I've seen a few of these movies. Is... <laughs> who is at, at Quentin Quarren 17 His question is, do you reckon Josh Kelly will ever get a CBA again? Not entirely Supercoach related, but I'm just a grumpy <laughs> Kelly owner. Uh, I, must, I must admit that uh, I was a really, really massive fan of Pulp Fiction, so shout out there to Quentin Quarantino. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, very good question. Um, but unfortunately, with Leon Cameron at the helm of the Giants, we probably can't say with any certainty. Uh, and the fact that he hasn't attended a single CBA over the past two weeks, even mm. with Cogs out, that just doesn't bode well for him, unfortunately. So yeah, he probably falls into the same category for Crips, as Crips for me, that I've got. Um, Crips is getting CBAs, but I mean, in terms of the output and stuff, it's just not there. So if you had the trades up your sleeve that you could afford to use, I'd probably say get rid of Kelly like I probably would with Crips. But given the injury carnage, it's just not in a situation that we can afford to do it. So you're going to have to just stick fat, unfortunately, with Kelly. Uh, yeah. And then if you've got some trades down the line and it looks as though he's not scoring good still, um, then look to do it. But yeah, it's just frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, precisely. Um, it's just, yeah, tough one all round there. Next question here is from Des, who is at DesB85. 
He asks who to bring in for Dunkley, assuming you have him as as a forward and already have Zebel and Tex. In the forward line, uh, I'd probably be targeting, you know, if you had to twist my arm, Zorko or, you know, assuming you've already got Impey and Jay-Z as well. Uh, you know, yeah, I'd probably go for a Zorko. But yeah, I would instead beef up the midfield if you can, because as we said, it's pure guesswork around the best forwards at this stage. Yeah. I think I think you're right there. Nothing nothing to add there. Uh, next question comes from Jackson Peach, who asks, Roe or Goulden? More of a priority to FO, FRO this week. <laughs> <laughs> very good, Jackson. Very good. I like that. For those people who don't know what that acronym is, it's uh, F right off or F off. We'll try and be a, 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 P, a PG. PG rated uh, podcast here. Yeah. I'll jump in here. Let's just move on. Jump in there. Uh, I'd hold uh, probably I'd probably hold both of those this week. Roe may make his break even depending on which version of him steps up. And Golden, while having a high break even, does have the ability to make it and score well. And just in general with the current injury crisis, I'd, just holding them makes more sense to me, even though it does mean they lose a little bit of cash this week, but it just means that there's some warm bodies on the field that are actually going to score. And I think that's that's sort of the main thing to focus on this week. I wouldn't say it's a priority to move either on this week. And that wraps up I Got to Know. Thanks for sending in your questions, guys. If you do have a question, Damon, where can our listeners find us? How can they send them in to us? Yes, they can find us on Twitter at supercoach underscore edge through myself at DamoJ88 or through yourself, which is at L underscore E underscore V underscore A. No, just kidding. <laughs> at L underscore Evans underscore 95. I thought you might enjoy that. I did. <laughs> or alternatively on Facebook, which is Supercoach Edge or Insta, which is also Supercoach Edge. Or alternatively through email, which is aflsupercoachedge at gmail.com. Like a pro. Yeah, absolutely. Like a pro. Also, be sure to check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash supercoachedge, where you can get exclusive access to our Discord, where we've been having some great conversations and discussions about trading options, and uh, yeah, had some nice little bits of banter as well. And we actually uh, kicked off last week as well with, uh, you know, nice subscribers there who pitched in a few extra dollars for us to, uh, to keep this show going. And uh, they have received uh, some one-on-one super coaching uh, via some <laughs> Zoom chats. So uh, very nice to uh, to kick those off and, and super fun as well. Any opportunity for us super coach diehards to have a chat about super coach, we'll jump at. Uh, in terms of our super coach edge group rankings, what are they looking like at the moment, Liam? Yeah, so we've got a round six highest score of 2,424, and that was by Desi with his team Flying Ryan. And we still got the, the same carryover leader for, for the second week in a row. Ooh. King's Men, Ben, great job, mate, with a total score of 13,588. His overall ranking is 85. Great work there. So to enter our Supercoach Edge group, use the code 798. Two nine six, the winner at the end of the season will walk away with the ultimate bragging rights, a shiny ring from the legends at Supercoach Championship Rings, and they'll get to feature on our final podcast with a bit of a chat with us. 
Absolutely. And with that, that brings us to the very end of our uh, our marathon podcast. But we uh, we hope that you guys appreciate and enjoy these extra minutes that we've poured in. I just realized that we've actually gone a little bit over time, but that's because we got carried away with... Uh, I'm going to blame Franco Cotzo. <laughs> I think he's gone. I think he's out of the building now, but I think he stuffs us around. Uh, but uh, with that, let's just say, may your primo survive the injury carnage and deliver you a score worthy of hanging in the pool room. All the very best for the weekend. Catch you next time, guys. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.